0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Bigger Picture on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. You are listening to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. I'm Shao Ik alongside Lim Suan in the studio to keep you company this hour. And we're going to be talking about automatic voter registration, which has been turned into a contentious issue uh, in the implementation of the landmark UNDI-18 bill. So after several statements were made by some quarters saying that it would be difficult to implement, the Election Commission has actually come out to say that UNDI-18 as well as automatic voter registration would only be done after the 1st of September in 2022. So today we'll be speaking with the tech lead for Parliament Digital, Isha Menon, to understand what exactly goes into automatic voter registration and how long it really takes to complete.
1: So our Twitter poll for today, we're asking you um, uh, whether you agree with the EC's move to put automatic voter registration on hold until September 2022. Your options are a simple yes or no, but you can always tweet us your thoughts at BFM Radio or WhatsApp them in at 18 Yes,
0: so Undi18 has been in the headlines for obvious reasons um, over the past few weeks. Like I said just now, some government leaders and the Election Commission have doubted whether the Undi18 bill, which lowers the minimum voting age from 21 to 18 years of age, can be implemented on time. Initially, as I'm sure you know, it was scheduled to be gazetted in July of this year.
1: Mm. But the bipartisan bill will now only be enforced next year in September mm. and part of this discussion disappointment is also due to the fact that SNAP polls could be held this year ahead of the scheduled general election in 2023. However, the EC has cited the COVID-19 pandemic for causing delays to carrying out automatic voter registration as well as the UNDI-18 bill and if we look at their official press statement they've said, um, and I quote, the EC is committed to implementing the UNDI-18 and automatic voter registration that was approved in Parliament for the 15th general election in 2023 in accordance with Article 55.3 of the federal constitution. So preparations towards this goal have been ongoing. However, the EC is being realistic. With the current pandemic and MCOs, our preparations have been interrupted. So, you know, the the Election Commission haven't specified what exactly is delaying progress on implementing voter registration but it's important to remember here that lowering the voting age and automatically registering voters are two different things, right? Mm. Lowering the v- voting age from twenty-one to eighteen—that is not dependent on automatically registering people to vote into the EC's online database, because that can be anyone of any age if they mm. haven't registered to vote yet. Yes, so uh, that's
0: why youth groups have been urging the government to at least implement the voting age part of the only eighteen bill first, and uh, you know that for them that it's okay to make registration a manual process for the time being um, according to former youth and sports minister sitedate say Rahman, the automatic voter registration component was not guaranteed in the bill anyway it was rather based on a gentleman's agreement among lawmakers on both sides of the aisle and just looking back to 2019 when the bill was passed it was a big deal um, you know as you remember all 222 mps unanimously voted to pass it um, now two ministers currently have supported the suggestion by youth groups to separate uh, lowering the minimum voting age from the automatic voter registration aspect of it and those two ministers are Youth Sports Minister Datuk Sri Riza Marikan and Mosty Minister Kyrie Jamaluddin but the government has yet to come to a decision on
1: this mm. So nonetheless we thought we'd look at what exactly goes into implementing automatic voter registration and whether it can be done easily to complement the Undi 18 Bill So joining us via Zoom today is Ishan Menon He was the tech lead uh, tech lead for Parliament Digital and he's now a corporate engineer at a global tech company. So thanks for joining us today, Ishan. So let's start with the basics, right? What is automatic voter registration and how does it work, generally speaking?
2: So automatic voter registration is the process of adding people to the electoral roll proactively. So the government would essentially get the names, addresses and a unique identifier like the card or IC. Um, and allocate people to the constituencies and polling centres based on that.
0: And uh, Ishan, how would that work here in Malaysia in the context of Undi 18 and lowering the voting
2: age? Right. So just as it would anywhere else, the government needs to replace the manual process of uh, voters signing up at like a post office or online with whatever data that we already have. So in this case, it would be like our national registration department, all the data that we have on people's addresses already. We set that in the system. Uh, Only 18 adds another layer to it, which is also updating the SOPs and documents by editing just one number, basically, which is the age of eligibility. So it's a lot of different things to change, but only one thing to change in all of them.
0: And what sort of obstacles do you see the government and the EC potentially needing to address?
2: Right. So in any overhaul like this, the obstacles generally fall in either one of two categories. Uh, one is process related, and the other would be you know technical, right? Um, and from a process standpoint, there are always challenges in terms of like making sure SOPs and relevant laws are in place, uh, and you know like amending them isn't going to be isn't going to be simple. But we're not talking about a small team in a garage. We're talking about the government of Malaysia. Uh, from a process standpoint, it really is down to organizational efficiency and how much is invested in the EC. You know, if they can't adapt in time, no matter how much is spent, the issue is leadership, right? Uh, but in terms of the technical obstacles, it's even less of an argument. So in, when it comes to our, like our system, every citizen or almost every citizen aged 12 and up has a MyCard. We've had biometric identification with our addresses since 2001. Now, the National Registration Department has a digital record of all of our addresses. And we can even verify identity using our fingerprints. Like, say, for example, on Election Day, we want to make sure that everyone voting is voting in the right place. We can bring those people in and we can ask them to just put their fingerprint on a fingerprint scanner. The same thing we use in banks, in government buildings. You know, if you want to have a super secure electoral system with fingerprint registration, we already have that system. If you if you, if you say, take this system that we have and bring it all the way back to 2001, we were way ahead of the curve. We, had this, we have this data digitized right there at the source. Long before your phone had like touch ID, or fingerprint sensors, we're using them in government services. We're talking like Mahate 1.0 era here, right? So it begs the question, all this information, why is it so hard for it to migrate from one government agency to the other? We know the election commission data is also digitized. You can check your voter registration on SPR's website right now with your IC number. You can register online using the same blue card. I mean, you're, you're looking at a data migration exercise from a technical standpoint. So it's really, you know, it's really not that big an obstacle unless the EC specifically has some sort of technical challenge, whether it's uh, you a know, lack of technical expertise or, you know, just the, the belief that it's not possible, which is a huge obstacle. If you think something can't be done, then you're not going to do it, right? Data engineers outside of the government can easily get past like 30 million records, filter, sort, and assign them you know, to constituencies and polling centers in in, in a matter of weeks or months, right? They do this with, you know, uh, commercial data. They do this with data for users and stuff like that. So there's no real technical justification for this taking this long, aside from, you know, maybe a lack of knowledge,
1: well, you said you brought it, you brought up the number thirty million. And that's actually around Malaysia's population, right? But when it comes to only eighteen, we're talking about lowering the voting age to integrate about only one point two million new voters. And it seems many tech companies have shown that they can handle much larger amounts of data and process that in uh, in a short amount of time.
2: Yeah, so sets vary, right? So if you're looking at, say, for example, okay, great example actually is uh, talk about Uber and Grab, right? Um, at the time when Uber had basically all of the drivers and all the riders in their database. uh, And, you know, they were migrating that over to Grab. You're not talking about the same exact same size as our electoral system. Obviously, it's not the same size as the entire population, but it was a relatively large data set. And there's a lot of information that they had. And it's not simply a matter of address, name and IC number. They had like number plates, colors of cars, all sorts of things, ratings, stuff like that. Um, And they did that relatively quickly. That was done in, a you know, a month, a number of months at most. Um, So that's done even on a local scale. You talk about, say, for example, a merger and acquisition uh, by a relatively large company. What those companies would then have to do is, uh, you know, sift through user data, uh, you know, based on whatever your privacy policies they have, move that accordingly over to their servers, to their systems. Um, So there frequently are integrations of very large scale, you know, easily uh, numbering like 30, 40 million definitely is there. Uh, It's just a question of, you know, how quickly is it done? And for these companies, they do it in months easily.
0: All right, Ishan, do stay on the line because we have to go for a quick break, but we'll be back to continue the conversation with you. We're speaking with Ishan menon tech lead for Parliament Digital and now a corporate engineer at a global tech company. We're getting his insights on the issue of the EC delaying automatic uh, voter registration until September 2022. On that note, very quickly, um, we have a social media
1: question for you. So we are asking you if you agree with the Election Commission's um, decision to put automatic voter registration on hold until September next year. Your options are yes or no. You can take that poll on Twitter at BFM Radio. You can also tweet us your thoughts or WhatsApp them into 018-789-8899.
0: Yes, so we'll be right back with uh to continue our conversation with Ishan. Keep it here on the Daily Digest on the bigger picture BFM eighty nine point nine. Welcome back to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. It's me, t Ik, and with Lim Suan, we're bringing you um, our story of the day, which is about automatic voter registration. And uh, we'll be continuing our conversation with Ishan Menon, tech lead for Parliament Digital, and uh, who's now a corporate engineer at a global tech company. We're looking at what sort of challenges are involved and uh, what might be some potential solutions amid the EC statements that, um, or the Elections uh, commission statements, that COVID-19 has caused some delays in implementing automatic voter registration alongside uh, the Undi 18 bill.
1: And so if you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, you can tweet us at BFM Radio or WhatsApp them in at 018-789-8899. Now Ishan, thanks for staying on the line with us. So earlier you mentioned that to facilitate automatic voter registration, it would be as simple as integrating the MyCard. And to verify that voters are real, um, we can use the tech used in banks, for example, which involve fingerprint technology. So it seems that we are under- utilizing um, existing tools that we've been using for so long for other things?
2: Yeah, that's yeah, that's basically it. I mean, so I, I know I glorify the MyCard a lot, uh, but that is also because the MyCard is the sole source of truth in terms of our current voter registration system. Like right now, if you want to register to vote, your source of truth, your identification all relies on your MyCard. Like even online, your MyCard is the sole document that you really need or use to, to register to vote. So given the fact that the current process is just a matter of people manually sort of uploading that data, you know, why can't the election commission speak directly to JPN and, you know, the national registration department and get that data from them? You know, it's, it seems like there's a communication gap, some so sort to of speak, or, you know, a, maybe a misunderstanding of really how simple it could be if you have two digitized sources right there that you can link together. It's a very, very, very capable document. Um, and more than that, it's you know if we really take into account like the biometric stuff, uh, you're really looking at an incredibly secure system.
0: Speaking of my cards, Ishan, the registration system does depend on people's addresses so that they can be assigned a constituency to vote in. So when Dewan Rakyat Speaker Datuk Azhar Azizan Harun was the EC chairman, he said this means young people need to update their addresses manually. So technically speaking, how time-consuming would it be to get this
2: done? Well, I think one thing that AtHaro needs to remember is that plenty of older people also don't update their addresses. Um, It's it's not specifically uh, a young person problem, right? It's absolutely imperative that people have up-to-date addresses. I'm not going to deny that that's a very important thing. But age is not really a big part of that equation. Like, if we're talking about people age 18 to 20, right, they're more likely to have visited JPN to get the ICs updated than anyone else. Because when you turn 18, you're supposed to go to JPN Uh, and get an updated picture. That's something that that you do anyway. So the likelihood is actually higher that they have a more up-to-date address. You know, if you want, you can have an additional check when people go to update the IC, just to make sure that the address is up-to-date. But technically speaking, the likelihood is higher for them, right? I I kind of reject the premise that we need to go on a nationwide address updating exercise, purely because young people are voting, right? There are definitely ways to do it needed. Let's say you want to get everyone's addresses up to date, again, because automatic voter registration is for everyone. You can use, say, for example, utility records or with cooperation through uh, internet service providers, right? Uh, There are ways to do it. It requires some agreements. The government has the ability, specifically right now, they have more power than they've had in a long time. So it can be done. But I just want to emphasize that this, this is a separate issue and it's not really youth specific, really.
1: Now, on uh, on a separate matter, the Election Commission has said that the COVID nineteen pandemic has delayed the implementation of Undi of Undi eighteen. From a technical standpoint, is this possible? Uh, is this possible? And what could also uh, delay automatic voter registration?
2: So there, there, there are plenty of aspects here, right? If you if you want to look at the say, for example, the work from home directive, right? That's that's a great example. if, if you want, you know, if you want to look at it from the Election Commission's perspective. And you want to say, well, okay, we're all working from home now. What kind of limitations would we have in terms of, you know, the data migration or, you know, updating documents and stuff, right? Um, That would be more towards accessing data, right? If you want to access and update data while working from home, uh, you need to have a system that allows you to securely handle the data. You know, you don't want to be messing around with, uh, you know, personally identifiable information. Uh, you know, that, be, that could basically could wind up being a national security risk if you're not careful. Uh, and, and, you know, mess it up, right? It's a very valid point. But to that, I also must point out that lots of companies are doing that exact thing, right? Plenty of companies around the world are almost entirely working from home. They're handling a lot of you know, secure data. Uh, they're doing it in a very, very you know, careful manner. They have systems in place to make sure that it's, for example, end-to-end encrypted, Right which is, you know, where the, the data is basically garbled in transmission and only decrypted at its destination. It's only translated to a usable format once it reaches its actual destination, right? You know, these, there are many ways, modern communication standards, basically, uh, that people use to make sure that they can communicate securely. And, you know, I, I, I could imagine maybe the election commission uh, isn't quite up to date in that regard. And, you know, it's not it's not something that I expect you know, governments around the world to automatically pick up, you know, this this has been a transitional time for everyone, but it's not impossible. You know, got, you, you have to also acknowledge the fact that it's not impossible, right? And, you know, even if it's too much of a challenge for them to figure out in time, there are always other ways of doing it. Let's say, for example, the data is an issue, right? And, you know, it's too much of a challenge for the government to figure out how to securely communicate, you know, with these servers. So why doesn't the Electoral Commission get dummy data? So the, the dummy data, meaning uh, that information is randomized. It's, you know, it's fake IC numbers, fake names, fake addresses, all of that. But, you know, in the same format as you'd expect the data to be uh, at, at your JPN data, that format, but without anyone's real information and the electoral roll data, but without anyone's real information, then all they have to do is really play a matching game and develop a tool that's able to turn the data in from JPN uh, to the data that the Electoral Commission would use. Now that, that the development of the tool to do so automatically can be done without actually touching that data, without touching the private data. So there are innovative ways to do it that don't cost a lot of money, that don't require you know, information security experts and stuff like that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have information security experts. I think it's very important. But you don't have to create a you know super complex system to do it. You just have to think a little bit more creatively as to how you would do it. Right? If, say, for example, the election commission had uh, you know people who work in startup involved in some part of the planning of this, and I'm not saying that they should be the be all and end all, but they would come up with ways to do this despite whatever challenges that they may face. And I think that's that's really the be, be all and end all for me. It's that there are challenges. I acknowledge that it's gonna it's harder the Election Commission to do this, but I'm not going to give them an excuse and say that it's not possible because much smaller teams have done much more in much less time.
0: Would uh, would implementing Undi18 automatically be resource intensive? I mean, that's been a concern cited by various quarters, including uh, dewanagara Speaker Tan Rais Yatim, who said that it will put stress on the na- National Registration Department and on the EC.
2: I think it takes more expertise than money, exactly, right? So if you put it this way, um, you know, you're, you're looking at developing a system that enfranchises millions of voters, right? Um, I'm not saying that this should be something that's, you know, pro bono work by, you know, Malaysian data scientists and Malaysian data engineers. But I'm also saying, I, and I would, I would go as far as to say that there would be plenty of data engineers and data scientists that would be willing to at least take a look at this and help out, right? And even if that were not the case, right, we're not, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to rest on the, the, the goodwill of uh, our fellow citizens uh, who happen to be experts in, in this field. Just looking at it from the standpoint of, is it worth it? Uh, there's, there's, there's one more very important thing to consider, uh, specifically for Raisi Atim as well, that his position in the as the Speaker of the Dewanagara is something that's constitutionally guaranteed, right? It's something that he has because of the constitution. You know, it's it's important to remember that fundamentally, this is one of the most important things the country can do to show that it has respect for the very democratic system that uh, that that it, that it relies on to function as a country. And you know, no matter how how much you mark the bill up and say it's more expensive, uh, we have spent much more on much less uh, important things. You know, it's 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 debatable as to whether or not some of these projects that we do. Are important, uh, but you can never say that the system that all of these things rely on is somehow going to be less important than that, right? So you know, I, I reject the notion again that you know it's too resource intensive to do, but at the same time, I just want to point out that you're looking for experts. You're not necessarily looking for a big team or a big company to do this, right? You want you want experts who are qualified. And you want like a transparent process of acquiring them. You want to, you know, you want good people hired through a good system, and you should be able to do this much cheaper than the assumptions. We had a very similar sort of uh, argument coming in when we did Parliament Digital, right? That uh, you know, it costs so much money and takes so much time to do, uh, whereas in in reality, like plenty of people have done this before. You know, you're not talking about developing something extraordinary, even the scale as well that we're talking about isn't something unheard of in the tech industry. You can hire people who are not only capable of actually doing the work of automatic voter registration, integrating data between JPN and the Electoral Commission, but also capable of managing the project more efficiently and providing the leadership that the EC so desperately needs.
1: So Ishan, one approach the cabinet is considering is to implement manual voter registration for Malaysians aged 18 to 20. And many youth groups agreed with this because ultimately uh, the priority for them is lowering the voting age, not necessarily automatic voter registration rate.
2: I mean, they're bundled together uh, you know, from the standpoint of like how you know, it was, it was uh, implemented, like the constitutional amendment itself. They were bundled together. Uh, but they're not they're not dependent on each other. You're you're very much right in that assumption that you don't necessarily need automatic voter registration to implement MD18. And it's you know it's extremely important to show a commitment to the constitution to show that uh, you know you, you respect the will of uh, you know the people. Literally every elected representative that was present at the time uh, voted in favor of doing this. And you know this is an extremely popular bipartisan you know thing it's extremely popular there are very few few people that actually disagree with the concept why not why not start with that implementation it's much easier like i mentioned earlier like it's much easier to edit one item that is 21 to 18 in all these documents processes standard operating procedures than it is to actually go through with the data migration exercise even though i personally believe you know in the industry as well we, we do see that it's a lot easier you know a lot easier than it's assumed To do this, the automatic registration, there's no question that implementing the lowering of the voting age is the single easiest thing the government can do, Uh, or in this case, specifically the Electoral Commission, because it appears the government as well is on board with this, right? So the pressure really is on the Electoral Commission to do something. Uh, This is the the most lowest hanging fruit. If this was a fruit hanging on a tree, we're going to call it the low hanging fruit. It's underground. It's the easiest thing they could do. Um so as far as you know the electoral Commission is concerned, if if for some reason they cannot get you know automatic voter registration through, this is the, the least they can do. It's the single most uh, important thing to you know a lot of young people that would otherwise be ineligible to vote. and it's incredibly easy for them to do.
0: So, what sort of software systems are other countries adopting to implement automatic voter registration? Are there any based on our version of the MyCard?
2: I think the best uh, the best case studies to look at. Uh, and if anyone from the EC is listening, uh, please go back and uh, do some do some research on this one. But uh, in an almost mirror sort of image to what I've been talking about as well, of using our IC, our MyCard, right? Uh, We have three countries that basically do the same thing. That's Chile, Denmark, and Finland. Uh, There's some slight differences with the Denmark example, but fundamentally these three countries use a national identification system that is assigned to every citizen uh, and is used for multiple other purposes, specifically for identification around the country. It's an almost identical system to IC. And they funnel that data in automatically into their electoral rolls, right? So you know they, they do this already the exact same thing where they take information from this these identity documents um, and they would ensure that you know, people can people who have this uh, identification number can go ahead and vote with the address that's assigned to it so very similar to what I've been suggesting uh, you take the data directly from the national registration department um, and you go ahead and implement that in the electoral commission's database which is what Chile Denmark and Finland do
1: so one concern that many youth leaders and lawmakers have expressed is the importance of making automatic voter registration or voter registration in general transparent. So how can the EC go about doing this?
2: I, I think the process of like making the registration automatic is something the government should share more about. That's good. We want to know what the obstacles are. We want to know what's stopping them. You know, Contrary to the beliefs held by some corners, we are mature enough to handle that information. So, you know, tell us what's in the way, how can we help? Like in that regard, I think it's very good, you know, it's very important that the government shares what's stopping them, right, in terms of the automatic voter registration, right? But in terms of voter registration in general, um, this is sort of where it gets a little bit tricky. It's important that the government, well, the Electoral Commission specifically, makes it easier for individual citizens to find out when they were registered. Uh, to let them fix errors quickly, right? You don't want people to have to go through a very lengthy process to sort of identify why you, why they were registered in this particular location and you know, why can't they change it, et cetera, et cetera. It should be a very seamless, painless process, right? This is sort of embodied in the whole uh, e-government concept and, uh, you know, making access to public services easier. You know, voting is is a public service and it's also a you know, responsibility, right? So make it easier for, for people to fulfill that responsibility Um, And, you know, provide information about an individual's, you know, voter registration to them. Assuming we don't get automatic voter registration anytime soon, that's when you want to find out when will they register? How can they fix these kind of errors and stuff, right? I mean, even if you have automatic voter registration, you want to have an efficient system of fixing errors. The Electoral Commission makes it so complicated for someone to you know, fix these kind of issues. If you look back at the previous election, individuals who did have issues with their registration, had to go through a lot of hoops to get things sorted out, right? Um, and these are areas where uh, the Election Commission can go ahead and make things a lot more easier for people to manage their registration, to manage their personal, you know, their, their constituencies and their personal information.
0: Now, Ishan, would you have a final message for us? I mean, this is not the first time you're talking about youth issues. You've already been involved with Parliament
2: Digital, obviously. Yeah, um, and if you don't mind, I'm just going to extend a little bit beyond this particular issue and talk about you know, youth participation and democracy in general to some extent. Um, but uh, look, I mean, it's, it's, it goes without saying that the idea of lowering the voting age to 18 is a common sense thing. You know, if we feel capable of doing so many things by the age of 18, why not lower the voting age, right? You know, the automatic voter registration, as much as I advocate for it, it's a great thing. And I think participation in democracy is important. If, if we can't get there, at least give us the bare minimum, right? You know, Parliament Digital is, is a great example uh, of some, of a time that young people went ahead and told the government that, no, you know, this is totally doable you know the point that we tried to bring up with parliament digital is that look you can do a parliament sitting online you can even vote online we produced a document which is still accessible right now uh, that you that you know you could use uh, to organize a parliamentary sitting and in terms of two factor authentication stuff like that it's got all the details you need to at least get started i mean you can work upwards from there so when young people come to the government or you know they come on public and, and give their input and, you know, do their very best to try to make things work, I think it's kind of a good idea to listen to them. I think it's important that, you know, people out there sit up and take notice and realize that the Malaysian people aren't going to be taken for a ride, nor are the young people of this country. We we want to do the best for the country. We're going to do everything we can. But it's important for us to, to use all the solutions that we bring to the table, you know, not just dismiss it. For example, I could tell you right now that all of the, a lot of the problems that we have in terms of, you know, updating addresses, like you mentioned, stuff like that, you could do during the vaccination drive. You could use data from MySajatra. You know, there's no one from our age group that's got the vaccine yet. If you really want to verify whether or not people are, you know, at the place that they're supposed to be, you've got all the check-ins. You know, there are ways to do things. You just have to listen. You just have to look. Sometimes the best solutions to something come from the most unexpected places.
1: Ishan, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. That was Ishan Menon, tech lead for Parliament Digital and now a corporate engineer at a global tech company.
0: Yes, and according to Ishan, it doesn't take much to implement automatic voter registration and really what it comes down to, he mentioned things like leadership and political will.
1: Mm. And you know, like he said, if companies can sift through data and migrate information for 30 million people in a few months, then it shouldn't take more than a year, technically speaking, to handle data for one One point two million people, and it looks like there's a lot of um, underexplored functions when it comes to the our MyCard, for example, with things like voter verification as well, Mm -hmm. um, especially at the voting booth itself. And you know, but we wanted to get your thoughts um, on what you think about um, the the fact that the Election Commission has put automatic voter registration on hold until September next year. So, on our Twitter poll, um, which is at BFM Radio, about ninety five percent of you have said that no, you do not agree with that move, but about almost 5% of you do agree with it. Um, but, you know, this is also an issue that's tied to the Undi 18 bill, bill right? And that's um, and we also have a WhatsApp that says that, you know, the government should also immediately implement uh, lowering the voting age from 21 to 18. And I guess, like, it's, it's sort of become this issue that's so intricately tied to each other when it is also actually, you can look at it as two separate issues as well.
0: Yes, exactly what Ishan had said repeatedly, I think, mm-hmm. in his conversation with us Separate that and the bare minimum, and actually um, quite not resource intensive would be to lower the voting age first, and then Um, do manual registrations. That's right, and uh, you know work on the automatic voter registration bit. Which again, he also said, um, technically speaking, isn't as difficult um, as it sounds Mm. like, um, as long as you get the right expertise and you have the political will to do it. That's right. So that's it for the daily digest today, where we've been discussing automatic voter registration. If you missed any. Part of the show, you can download the podcast at bfm.my slash Daily Digest or if you have our BFM app. Otherwise, you can head on over to Spotify and your other podcast platforms. Do check us out on Facebook. We are at BFM The Bigger Picture and drop us a direct message there if you'd like to communicate with us about our shows, for instance. Now, coming up after the three o'clock news, we've got Keith Kham taking over the studio today. He'll be speaking to Chaw Motun, Chaw Motun, sorry, Permanent Revitational representative of Myanmar to the United Nations about Mr Chaw's speech last month in which he urged the international community uh, to use any means necessary to take action against the military and to help restore democracy in Myanmar. That was a very powerful speech that Mr Chaw made there. So Keith will be speaking to him about what's been happening in Myanmar since the military coup that took place. So do stay tuned for that after the three o'clock news. Once again, you've been listening to The Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM,